This is CliffCentral.com. Welcome to Talking Tech. My name is Brett Levy, and uh, today I'll be doing my first radio show as a host and the last show for the year. Um, if anyone wants to have some fun and send me some messages or engage or tell me I suck or tell me I'm doing well, go for it. Uh, the studio number, if you don't know, is 0861-555-189. You can get us on Twitter at cliffcentral. Uh, sorry, cliffcentral.com. Facebook is Cliff Central. WeChat ID is Cliff Central. And then to send a message, just tap connect, then MSG2, the number, and the word show. Right, so basically I think let's have a little bit of fun today. It's light-hearted. I noticed even in the traffic this morning on the way here, there were hardly any cars, hardly any window washers, hardly any taxis. Actually, no, they were still there. Um, and uh, I just want to have a good look at what's gone on for the last year. I will be joined a bit later on with uh, my guest, Brett St. Clair. So he'll come in and we'll have a little bit of a chat about some of the disruptive technology, along as things that are happening in uh, the e-commerce world. One of the things that really resonated for me this year was fiber to home. Um, you know, every gadget that we play with needs power and connectivity. So without the decent pricing of ADSL and more importantly, the availability, this has been one of the challenges to the connected home here in South Africa. If I look back to January this year, we were paying around 249 Rand on average for two megabit speeds. Uh, on the uncapped accounts, and I see that's now approximately 150 rand. So that's almost a 40% decrease. Our contention and throttling, which is obviously the speed that we get, or when we've started abusing it, they start slowing us down, has also been greatly reduced. So now you can pretty much download as much as you want without any disruption. And in fact, you probably have more chance of Zuma paying back the money than getting cut off or throttled. Um, the other big thing with regards to connectivity at home in the last year that I've been following is the mobile data prices. If you look at the bundles, they're also now a lot more affordable. There's some really great deals out there. And uh, we've seen almost a 50% increase in penetration on smartphones and smart devices. So that really makes it a, an exciting connected world for us as well. Um I have noticed fiber has been rolled out around this area where we are in Ravonia. This is. And, um, uh, certain areas are coming online. The top speeds that we're seeing at the moment is 100 megabits a second. And these rates are coming in at just under a thousand rand. So that's really awesome if you're looking at doing a lot of streaming, gaming, downloading, etc. So why is this important? Well, it's very simple. Besides the obvious of the connectivity, things like video on demand. Um, have become very important. This is a growing trend in South Africa, and a lot of people have started looking at things like Netflix and Hulu. Um, a lot of people ask me, how do I, you know, how do I get Netflix in South Africa? Well, the simple answer is you can't, um, or you're not supposed to, but there are ways around it, which a lot of people have found out, and a little bit of Googling will get you there. The nice thing with Netflix is that you watch on demand when you want to watch. But the challenge is that you do need um, a minimum speed of two megs to get some form of definition. So that's why I've been talking about the pricing on data and, and how it's come down because it does make it more affordable. The local scene, however, has also got quite exciting. Um, we've seen companies like Showmax and Untap TV starting to 
put up billboards, starting to advertise. I personally haven't looked at either of the two offerings, but what is really cool is that uh, I know that Showmax will give you a seven-day free trial. And the nice thing about that is you can then test out your speed. There's nothing worse than buying a product and uh, finding out you can't use it. And then all of a sudden, you know, you, you're sitting and fighting with a, someone on a call center number to try and get your credit card disconnected or, or reversed. There is a rumor that Netflix will be coming here next year. So it will be very interesting to see how the aforementioned uh, up their games and make sure that the content that we want is available before people start switching. Um, basically, the gadget side of 2015. Uh, I think there was a lot of really cool things. There were a lot of things that were just redone and rehashed. But uh, one moment for 2015 that really resonated for me was sitting watching the Apple keynote in September. Um, and I remember the announcement was made for the new version of the Apple TV. And I sat there and I just said to the TV, shut up and take my money. I think it was as if Steve Jobs' spirit had whispered into the development team's ear and said, Brett Levy is waiting for you to make an Apple TV with apps, with storage, and that's just really, really cool. Um, again, looking at the discussions on fiber, DSL pricing, connectivity, throttling, none of those have really made Apple TV work in this country. Now that we have the availability, um, it truly is a great time to get one of these devices. On the app side, um, I mean, look, there's over a billion apps on the app market. So, uh, you, you know, you can sit there and go, I've got a great idea. Let's make an app that does X. And I've, you, if you had to Google it, you'll probably find three already exist. And that's the kind of world that we're living in at the moment. But the bottom line is, is that the most important thing of apps, and now specifically in South Africa, is a few years ago we were saying as companies, do we need an app? Should we budget for an app? Um you know, now it's a case of an app has become almost a necessity. Uh, consumers are looking at you and saying, well, if you don't have an app, I can't find you. And in fact, if you look at the new Cliff Central app, uh, I mean, the UI and the UX that's gone into that, that's the user interface and the user experience. Um, as the app opens up, bang, there's the play button. You can push it. You can listen to us talking. It's really cool. It's sexy. It's light in the size. Um, the data, you have a choice between low medium and high res, so it's not going to be heavy on your consumption as well. And, of course, if you're in Wi-Fi at the office, well, your boss is paying, so who cares? The other apps that I, I looked at, uh, I, I think for me, hands down, the, the app of the year is Google Photos. Now, that might not sound like the next version of Clash of Clans or Angry Birds 2 or any of the exciting game apps, but what really, really hit me for, for Google Photos was, especially at this time of the year, we're all planning on going on holiday now. Um, the first thing you do is you back up your phone, you take off the data, you move the photos so that you've got room to take more photos. Well, what Google Photos does for you, it's a free app. It is absolutely unlimited storage. Um, it automatically syncs for you. And uh, if you delete the photographs that are on your device, they now stay in the cloud but are still viewable on your device via the Google Photos app. Um, if you delete something on the Google Photos app, that little naughty selfie you shouldn't have taken or that drunken moment or that succession of blurred photos, it deletes it across all your devices. So that's really cool as well. But I think the other thing that makes, I mean, we take photos so that we can edit them, we can post them, we can share them. There's two really cool features in Google Photos that that, that I love. 
if you blow off more than four or five shots in succession, it will actually turn into an animation for you. So it sends you a little notification that says a new animation has been created and you can view it, save it, share it, etc. Um, it makes collages, it makes stories, it makes moment books, and it uses the location feature of the phone to say one day in Johannesburg or Sunday afternoon uh, in Fontaine. So that, uh, I mean, that's really great. It, it gives you a reason to share your photos. The other thing is um, when you want to clean your photos off the device, they actually still stay, as I said earlier, on the cloud. But more importantly, um, they're accessible by search. So if you've got like hundreds or thousands of photographs on your phone, you can't really search it. Now you can type in a keyword knowing that there's a, you know, if you tag the person's face or it has to do with cars and it groups it for you. So for me, that was pretty much uh, the the app of the year that, that I love um, and I've been promoting. Um, there were some really amazing games. Uh, Apple came out with a new engine on their new iPhone 6S. Um, that allows for virtually platform-style gaming to happen on a mobile phone, which is cool. But there's two apps that are that I, I came across um, in in preparing for the show today, and probably apps that you've never heard of, never seen before. Um, and uh, basically, the first one is called Xavion with an X. And what this app is all about is for pilots. So imagine sitting in a plane and then all of a sudden you hear, ladies and gentlemen, please don't panic, but the captain has just had a heart attack. I mean, <laughs> we're all going to start uh, sitting there calmly and uh, and relaxing, I'm sure. But what Xavion's designed to do is it actually integrates with the autopilot feature of the plane and will and will actually help the plane land. So it will take the plane down using autopilot and its own positioning systems. I'm sure it will be quite bumpy and it will be quite a hard landing, but you would probably be able to find that your plane will land safely. Wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me that I can, the app can actually land the plane? That's what they're claiming. So, yeah, they're saying that if once it's integrated yeah. into the, the autopilot, mm-hmm. if the captain has a heart attack or the co-pilot's not there, it was actually designed as a co-pilot app, so it can support the captain. So cool. It so is cool. cool, hey? I see that Darren from PE has just popped up a message on WeChat mm-hmm. uh, asking us uh, if there's an Apple version of Google Photos. There most definitely is. Um, it works like a bomb, and, and that's pretty much why I love it is because the iPhone fills up so quickly with high-res pictures. Darren, you also won't lose your resolution. If you select the free option, it keeps it in its original format, and you have the option to take it to the equivalent of uh, DLR, um, and you can pay for that. Wow, that's actually awesome. Very cool. I eh? want myself some apps. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, basically, if I'm on a plane, I think the question you have to ask is, are you guys Xavian certified? Definitely. And, uh, it definitely should be the first thing you ask. <laughs> the other app that I came across that I thought was really cool, and in fact, I had Brent Lindeque in mind, one of our fellow DJs. Uh, I think his show's tomorrow, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this one's called Be My Eyes. And basically what it is, is it's an app designed for the visually impaired. They download the app on their phone 
and you can be a volunteer community person. So when they need to see something, let's say they're walking down the street, maybe lost their bearings using the, 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 the methodologies that they use to navigate. Yeah. They can open up Be My Eyes, hold their phone up so it is as if they're seeing, mm-hmm. and someone on the community that has the community app within, you know, that, that's able-bodied with full vision can see what they're seeing and talk to them and say, yes, you are on West Street. Or if they're in a shopping center wow. and there's rows of cans um, and they don't know, you know, all cans look the same, the labels can look the same, you can actually help them and say, well, the one third to the right of move your hand, move your hand. Yep, that's it. That's the tomato soup. Wow. So it's like a feel-good app. And, and you can actually help. And uh, who knows, you might even make friends with someone somewhere in the world and be their helping hand. Um, I see that Aaron Eustace just popped up as well on uh, WeChat saying, is, is it Google Drive or Google Photos and what's the difference? Great question. So the two actually work together. It's not Google Drive. It's called Google Photos. The little icon looks like one of those uh, windmills that the kids run around with in the wind on a little stick. It's a multicolor. Um, you need that app. And then once you've installed it, you link it to your drive and you link it to your photos on your respective device. Um. So those were kind of the apps that stood out for me when to this year. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, you know, this is a tech show. So I try to like look at things in, in the year that maybe people didn't see that were in all different spaces. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about apps I don't know about. Apps that you don't know about? Yeah. Well, I'm finished with apps. Didn't you just listen? So I just said no, that's no, the apps. The <laughs> thing is, the thing is, I'm, I'm trying to get my app up and running. Okay. We're all creators nowadays. So I want to see if I can create an app. You want to create an app? Okay, well, that's actually a great question. So there are lots of software tools out there that let you build your own app. So I can? Yes, you can. I don't need it. No, definitely. In fact, on the note of apps, what we're even seeing a trend now is that because um, data and information is changing so dynamically, Mm -hmm. people are actually using web-based technology, which is what these these apps do, um, to help you build your apps. So, yep, you most definitely can. Oh, so cool. Um, Speco's just popped up saying, I feel like Google and, and Dropbox are one day going to pull an Ashley Madison on us <laughs> and blackmail us with all our content. Dude, it's funny you mention that. And I'm actually going to talk about Ashley Madison in the next few minutes. Um, my opinion is you're pretty much right. I have a feeling that what Google's doing by making this free is if they get a picture of every single person off their phones with their names, they'll have the world's biggest da- database of phones, names, locations. So, yes, Ashley Madison people will get caught. But imagine if uh, we were looking for a fugitive. I mean, take what happened in Paris. Mm-hmm. They put uh, footage up of, of the, the main suspect. If that photo had been taken and put into Google Photos, they could probably track that person a lot quicker. But I think you're right. So, mm. basically, some of the other cool stuff that I came across this year was yeah. on the aerospace side. I mean, okay. I mentioned Xavion, but in aerospace, in 2015, this was the first year that we successfully put a spacecraft into orbit around a moving comet. Wow. So, that's pretty cool. But it gets better. We actually landed the damn thing on the comet. So I go back <laughs> so to that cool. movie of a few years ago. I can't remember what it was called, but Bruce Willis was the big hero. And he was in space. And this meteor was coming to Earth and it was going to smash us to pieces. And um, he had to like fly into it and blow it up mm-hmm. to save the world. Now, the theme song to that was Steve Tyler. So I'm thinking if he had him on the, on the craft, he could have just stuck his lips into the crack on the meteor, asked him to sing, split it up, and boom, we would have averted the whole thing. <laughs> But, um, I mean, yeah, you know, you say, well, why is it important? Well, it's just cool. It doesn't have to be important. I mean, mm. it's just we 
orbited a comet. We landed on the comet, and hey, you know, it was cool. The other nice thing in aerospace was um, the flyby of Pluto. Now, Pluto is not a planet anymore, but 10 years ago when this craft left Earth to get to Pluto, mm-hmm. it still was a planet, so it was important. And in fact, from the footage that um, we've, you know, we've seen recently, um, it now is under consideration that it is a planet again. So who knows? The last thing in aerospace that was really cool for me was um, drones. So this is a very yeah, contentious drones, drones, issue. Drones are really cool. I mean, you know, but, we love them. But they can invade your privacy. Well, I mean, anyone can use a drone. 100%. And that's why the civil aviation authorities are having such a hard time with it. Yeah. But what they did use it for, and yes, Heineken used it to drop beers in a rock concert and <laughs> someone delivered pier, uh, pizzas. But I, I came across there's a small little island. I think you pronounce it as Joost, seeing it's a German island. It's yeah. J-U-S-T. Um, they're like just off the coast of Germany in the in the North Island Seas. And um, drones have been taking medical supplies to the guys every single day. So they've been unmanned, dropping stuff off and coming back. So cool. That was pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's why you should use uh, drones, I think. <sighs> This is CliffCentral.com. What are you doing for New Year's Eve? Join us for the sexiest VIP party at Madison Avenue, Santon's newest nightclub. Cliff Central's taking over the VIP area, so join us as our special VIP and start 2016 on the right note. General admission is 200 Rand, but our exclusive VIP party together with Absolute Vodka is 500 Rand, which includes great music with me, Gareth Cliff, O'Neill, Miss Prue, and the Cliff Central crew, an outdoor tented area, lots of bars, food, prizes, gorgeous people, and a night to remember. Book now for Cliff Central Rocks Madison at CompyTicket.com. Go to CliffCentral.com for more details and stay tuned for everything you need to know. Be absolute and rock into 2016 with us. This is CliffCentral.com. Right, welcome back. So I said earlier I was going to mention uh, Ashley Madison, and that's part of one of the things I want to discuss with social. We've always heard people say... Facebook's days are numbered and uh, well they're getting bigger stronger doing more and more and if we bring it back home and we look at what happened in 2015 one of the biggest things for me was the whole e-tolls debacle I mean we effectively got together as a country and shut these idiots down and it was all through the power of social I mean we basically got on there we said we're not going to pay we organized marches we hung banners from the the bridges we read the right act to everyone. We created OTA. And, uh, well, I haven't paid to date. I don't know how many people have. And I'm never going to pay. But um, I think where we are at the moment is uh, social also becomes quite a quick news fix for us. We wake up in the morning. We grab our phones. The first thing we do is check mails, check social. And what I'm noticing lately is that it's becoming uh, the mouthpiece of politics. I think Donald Trump and our beloved Zuma seem to be the main thing that are trending. And on that note, the head of SABC Radio said that if any DJ mentions the hashtag Zuma must fall campaign, they will be fired. Well, guess what? This ain't the SABC and hashtag Zuma must fall. In fact, personally, I think we should update it to add the word hard at the end of it. Well, we'll see what happens. So if social carries on in this uh, in this way and this growth, I really don't think it's going anywhere in 2016 except for upwards. So Ashley Madison, um, basically, yeah, we referred to that just now. Guys, WTF. You want to have an affair. You want to cheat. I'm not going to judge you. But really, 
I mean, putting your credit card details and email address online because some company tells you it's safe. This is a company from Canada, people. Justin Bieber comes from Canada. Was that not enough warning for you that things were going to go wrong? I mean, <laughs> the scary thing for me, Hamwintu, was like, what, 175,000 people, I think, were South Africans. So, yeah, you got caught with your pants down. Um took a little bit of a lashing well i hope you took a little bit of a lashing for the money that you spent and uh, let's see how that uh, unfolds but uh, i don't think we'll have too many people anytime soon with pseudonyms credit cards etc putting their details online to go out and have a, a little bit of a leg over somewhere just go down to the local pub guys it's easier free drinks paid done sorted Anyway, so online shopping. Okay, I am loving the e-commerce growth that 2015 saw. Uh, South Africans are now starting to trust online shopping. We seem to be getting over our need to touch and feel. Well, apparently 175,000 people still needed to touch and feel. But I'm talking about not having to go into a shop, suffer the joys of traffic, getting your window washed, buying stuff you don't really need, including Cokes and toiletries. And getting into the store to find out they don't have your stuff or they do have your stuff, but it's the wrong color. But don't worry, they can order it for you and let you know when it arrives. Dude, go online. It's awesome. Um, some of the guys that I'm seeing that are really playing in the space are the wine and the whiskey industry. I mean, they're putting together really cool packs. And, uh, you know, you get a pack every month. It arrives. It's a good excuse to have people over. Pricing is good. Or you get unique things that you can only get online. Very big trend in the States is to pay like $30 and you choose a genre. So whether it's like gaming or clothing or whatever, and something just arrives, which is really, really cool. It's like a nice little surprise. It's your birthday every month. And in fact, I I started looking for something like that in South Africa because I mean, hell, we all like a present. And I came across this company called Casualty. So what they do is you just subscribe and then they send you a t-shirt every month. And I only wear t-shirts. So every month I can get a new t-shirt with a unique with a unique design on it um, and hopefully I'll never land up in a bar with someone else wearing the same t-shirt um, but yeah I mean that's that's pretty cool we, we're seeing that grow um, but I think for me the biggest biggest thrill about online is that I get to buy myself presents and, and winter, I've become an addict I now get an email from someone saying that if I go online today only uh, I'll get 25% off and boom I'm online then I go home and justify to my wife I say look I bought this for my son but I had to spend X to get the free shipping so I bought this too haven't bought too much for her but uh, you know you get that phone call well Mr. Levy please come to the, the reception there's a parcel for you and you know what it is I mean you've bought it you've mm-hmm. tracked it you know it's arriving you walk down there go ooh that's nice and you walk with this big Cheshire small cat face and you go back to office and you're showing everyone look look what I got and uh, you open it and, and I mean yeah it's a present you bought yourself so I think the fact that the retailers jumped, jumped on Black Friday and Cyber Monday like we've never seen mm-hmm. before I mean everyone was doing it even people that didn't have online were doing it I mean wow. they had these huge sales I think the sales were, were pretty good um, some of the feedback was not as good as America I mean nothing's yeah. ever going to be as good as America yeah. you know they've got the buying power but it was good I mean I enjoyed it um, gadgets. Okay, so I have a love affair with shiny objects. Not the types that have batteries and vibrate, just shiny objects, really good <laughs> stuff. If it has a screen or a button, I'm happy to, to touch it, push it. Um, I wasn't overly impressed with what I saw this year. I mean, it was like more of the same but better. Um, 
things that did kind of pop out for me were single over the ear Bluetooth headsets, so you don't have to have wires that are you know running behind your neck. That's quite cool, but I mean, it's still just a Bluetooth headset. Headset. Sorry. The one thing that was quite nice was there's now soundbars. So when you buy those soundbars for your TVs, yeah, that have microphones and that are connected. That take us almost to the Internet of Things, and it listens to you. Now, straight away, where's um, Sebeko? Yeah, he's going to come back and say, whoa, they're going to start blackmailing us. It listens to you based through its app, waiting for questions. So if you had to say to it, what is the weather today? Yeah. Then it will stop the music that's playing and tell you, or what's the exchange rate today? Um, I don't think, given what's happened in this country over the last four days, even Google would get that right. <laughs> but that's what it's designed for. So that was quite cool. And then I looked at smart locks. So you can take the lock off your front door. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work on the inside one. It's for the front door. And you link it to your phone. And via Bluetooth, you can unlock your door. Okay. So when you come home, you, you just push a button and unlock your door. That's great. But what happens when your phone's died or you have no connectivity? <laughs> um, you know, and the, and the guy say, well, you still can use a key to override. So now what you're saying is I have a lock with a key. And I can still unlock it with my cell phone. So, yeah, as I said, nothing that really, really blew me away. In the, the one, I think, big announcement for all technology was USB-C. So, USB-C is basically the next version of the micro USB port. Any Android phone user will, you know, will know what I'm talking about. That little, um, port that you charge your devices with. And the three main changes is that one, it will transfer speed twice as fast as USB micro. Um, it reduces the charging times by, I think, four times. So it's, it charges four times faster, which is great. And it's actually uni-shaped, which means that there's no right way up or down to actually plug in your device anymore. Not to piss on anyone's batteries, uh, but Apple's been doing that for about four years, I think, with their lightning port. You can just put in any way you want. Um, and their new MacBooks are actually supporting USB-C as the only port. So it's nice. Mac's playing in the same space as everyone else. Um, with Mac, you do still have to buy an adapter like you do with any other Mac before that. And uh, then you can connect to other devices. On that note, I would like to introduce my guest for today, Mr. Brett St. Clair. Hey, Brett, welcome to Cliff Central. How's it, Brett? I've always wanted to say hi, Brett, from Brett. Hi, Brett from Brett. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but I made sure that I wasn't wearing clashing shoes today, but you're not wearing your usual red ones. So I've decided to wear my proudly South Africa ones. Very nice. Very, very <laughs> nice. Brett, uh, Brett and I, I think, are pretty infamous for the weird color shoes we wear. <laughs> Brett, um, you know, thanks for joining us. You've had an interesting 2015. Um, maybe tell us a little bit about it. I mean, there's been a couple of big changes for you. Sure. So, uh, finishing off my, or starting the year, finishing off my career at Google, uh, was absolutely fantastic. And, uh, you talk about things like the Internet of Things, uh, it all needs the cloud. Um, so I spent my last two years there building out this amazing cloud marketplace across South Africa and Africa. And it's interesting to see that South Africans are starting to really get on board there. Um, I then saw this opportunity to join a little startup called Money for Jam. Okay. And these guys are rock stars because the whole concept is about job creation, you know. So how can we add another dollar on somebody who's maybe earning only $2 per day? Um, unfortunately, I got poached by a bank of all places. Sorry, Brett. By a what? Did I say that? I still feel a bit numb when I say that. Sorry, Brett, but by what? (laughs) 
By a what? You went for a wank. Sorry, you got poached yeah. for a what? Bloody bankers. Bank oh bankers. Sorry, you got poached by a bank, right? Carry on. <laughs> So here I am sitting at a bank, and I guess uh, what, what kind of turned me was uh, Barclays were literally saying, you know what, we're in tough times at the moment, and we're going to make some serious changes. What we want to become is a technology company. Okay, And that awesome. kind of got me really excited. Yeah. I suddenly thought, well, here's an opportunity. Instead of being on the peripherals of a Google that's a million miles away from Silicon Valley, here we can go and build really cool, sexy shit. Nice. Okay. So are you allowed to tell us some of the cool, sexy shit? Shit that you've already built, or um, well, we're almost there. Well, we we're literally have just launched our new beta app. Okay. So if anyone is a Absa banker, um, drop me a line. I will literally. You said banker, me. Absa banker, banking, right? Yeah, Bank, banking right. Okay. client. Okay. Yes, yes, got to get that right. Yeah. Um, drop me a line. You can try out our new beta, and it's super cool, super sexy. Um, we've made design the core focus of everything we're doing. So it's not this rubbish experience. All we want to do is create beautiful experiences. Okay. So on the note of experiences, mm. um, I think you and I share passion for the Internet mm. of Things. Okay. Sure. I mean, you're sitting here going, mm, like I've just put up <laughs> a, a nice naked picture of something yummy. You know, I, I was in Barcelona earlier this year, and that's what really hit it home for me, is I spent time in the Internet of Things like area. Were you there? Did you go over this year? I, did, I didn't like, go this but year. you saw last year? Even the, last year. I mean, year you know, before, it was yeah. the start. You know, tell me some of the stuff you've seen in this disruptive space. I mean, some of the gadgets or some of the experiences. I mean, you've, you've obviously played with something that we probably haven't heard of. Uh, well, uh, I try to play with as many gadgets as possible, and um, I guess what excites me is uh, Mary Mika made a prediction that by 2015, we'll have 10 billion devices connected to the internet. How right she was. Yep. Uh, we have so many devices connecting here, and I guess it's driven by that whole Steve Jobs kind of thinking, which is take anything and pair it up with a transistor, connect it to the web, and you've got something really cool. Um, I was just having a bit of a giggle with your uh, lock experience where you've got those <laughs> locks that bolt onto the outside. I uh, came across, I think it's called the Glock. The Glock. And uh, it, it's, it's a bolt, literally like a, a safety bolt that you would use. Uh, have I got that right? A safety lock. Okay. And the old padlocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's gone also. Internet of Things. It's connected via Bluetooth and you can unlock it with your phone on Bluetooth. And you kind of think, well, what happens if the battery runs dead? Yeah. And they actually overcame it in a very cool way because they're saying, well, we definitely cannot use keys. And uh, so instead of a key, you literally do some Morse code of jiggling and jaggling. <laughs> I wish you guys could see how he was showing us the jiggling and jaggling. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're sitting at home at night and you're playing with your Glock and your wife walks in, do you just say, I'm just trying to unlock my Glock? I'm trying to get <laughs> access Glock. to my bicycle. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite cool. And, and yeah, but that's innovative. But, you know, there it's movable. As I said, I, I saw this thing for your door. You can't sit there and shake your door, you know. You um, probably could. <laughs> well, yeah, you could. And then you have the neighbors come out with their real clocks, you know, seeing that you're breaking in. Um did you see the with the the new toasters? So now you can actually wake up in the morning and and turn your toaster on to the desired setting, and it will work out when you lift your phone up off the bedside. So it now knows you actually have dragged your carcass out of bed, and then start the process. And then when you say process, is that a buttered piece of toast? No, 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 <laughs> not buttered. It's not that good yet. But you can get in Darth Vader shape. 
or oh, any cool. other icons. So that's quite cool. That's cool. I mean, we saw the fridges and that, but you know, where where I think there's still so many opportunities, and and this year in Barcelona, I came across one of these. What this guy's done, and you mentioned the cloud earlier. I was at a symposium uh, a few weeks back where they were talking about cybersecurity. Um, I mean, I think life insurance people have a better chance of selling stuff than these guys because they just put the fear of God into you. But they are so vehement against the cloud. You know, the one guy said, who here uses the cloud? And I felt like the little lone soldier up there, you know, like put my hand up going, yeah, cloud. And they all looked at me like, oh, God, he's got a virus. But, you know, I love the cloud. I think it's awesome. I wipe something out on my computer and there it is floating around. And for the internet, inter- sorry, the internet of things, we need the cloud. It actually cannot exist without cloud computing. That's the thing. Because of the price points, because of the access and the computing power you need. And these guys are saying that, but what you're doing is you're basically spreading your legs for people to just come through into your home and, and do what they need to do. You know, my feeling is, if you can use the internet, you're going to realize you are exposed. You are online. As long as you're not doing anything you shouldn't be doing, um, as long as you're not necessarily saying things you shouldn't be saying, and you're just a good old private person getting on with you, it's a great place. Uh, I, I, I even think around, so I'm so passionate about the cloud. We're taking Barclays through this kind of path where we managed to get the South African Reserve Bank to agree that Amazon's cloud is good enough for test and dev. And wow. the next step is saying, how do we take it to production? If we really think about the cloud, you take Amazon, Google, Azure, which is the Microsoft cloud. These guys are some of the biggest digital properties on the planet. Uh, Google, for instance, I think her name is the Dark Princess or something like that, or the Security Princess or something like that. Uh, she's 28 and she leads 300 security software engineers in Google. Wow. Continuously taking on about 100,000 attacks Every hour. So if I was to actually put my equipment somewhere, and I, no, I, I know, I know which way. equipment you're talking well, about, I yes. actually mean cloud equipment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got um, you. Uh, <laughs> or technology and software. <laughs> I'd be much safer in the hands of a, an organization that's running about a billion users yeah. rather than my silly little piece of software that's sitting on my desk or my desktop computing, and I'm going to call it the cloud. And you're 100% right. That's the thing is there is a name brand. You know, mm. we we buy things under name brand names, so trust Google. And we all Google all day long. We're searching stuff. So, you know, just going back to the Internet of Things, because mm. this, mm. this is disruptive. Yeah. I mean, you can basically connect anything to anyone, anytime. And it's not just collaboration. Um, there was a there was a small startup, but he did exactly what you just said. He's using Google Cloud as the engine, so he hasn't gone and tried to build another engine, and he's made his app available to developers. So he's saying, if you want to develop something, add this little piece of code in, and it now makes it ready. So that should someone choose to make a piece of hardware one day somewhere, you will be able to integrate. And I mean, you mentioned that earlier with Apple. That was always their thing. Mm. No matter what they bring out, no matter how old or how new. It just works. It mm. connects. Mm. It does what it needs to do. And this is the exciting time that we're going into. I mean, we're really seeing uh, some amazing stuff coming through. Um, to your point, that connectivity, um, all we're really doing is we're putting a ton of sensors out there. So that's great. We can sense something. We can sense your pulse. We can sense your environment like <laughs> a nest. Um, and, you know, it senses the temperature of a room. Awesome. 
but how's that going to help you if you aren't putting the computing power behind it to be able to crunch it? And I quite like that thinking around insurance businesses. Yeah. The Internet of Things are going to completely revolutionize their business. I think they're going to be the, the first disrupted space. Because you're putting these sensors in your homes, literally light bulbs, uh, thermostats, door handles, all will be there mo- me- measuring and monitoring. Yep. They can start offering this kind of real-time-based insurance rates. That should get cheaper, hopefully. Are you listening, insurance companies? We like that. that. I mean, and you know, the fact that banks are even thinking about it mm. and talking about it and bringing people like you on board to do something about it, then we as consumers need to trust it, you know, and it's, I think, you know, it's just jaded that these guys that are in the industry, they see the bad side. I mean, uh, uh, something's just come up now in the chat saying, what are the worst things to do on the internet? Well, I don't have that much time left on the show to tell you. But the, the simple rule of thumb is simple. If you think it's bad, or if you think don't you're going to get it. into trouble, don't do it. And I mean, that's pretty much, I always say to my team, if a client pisses you off, don't put it in writing because it will come back and bite you 20 years from now. If you want, phone them and tell them what you think of I them. Mean, you've got to act the same way like you are offline. You Correct. act like that online. There Some it people is. People put that mask and they think they can just abuse. There it is. I just want to carry on with what you're saying with the sensors. Um, you know, basically, if you had these sensors all over your home, you know, you get like ADT with your alarm company and it, you get this SMS on your phone going, your home's just been broken into. <laughs> Awesome, thanks. What do I do? If your home was connected and using Internet Internet of Thing technology, one, you could turn on cameras and capture the person. Two, you could probably make those Glock bolts unshakable or Mm. whatever. Three, you could set your um, TV to play barking dog sounds. I don't know. Mm. But there would be ways of actually engaging with the situation. And not just crime. What happens if your child falls and hurts himself? The child minder doesn't know what to do can push one button, brings up video feed, shows you you can engage. I mean, it's just We've done a lot of talking around Internet of Things and the sensors and uh, uh, some of the ideas. I think it was actually in Singapore. um, These guys have built an app that literally, at the moment, uh, the apps exist off the phone. And they've got these sensors all over the city. (coughs) And this is really thinking differently about censoring. They use sound. So they're listening the whole time, but they're not listening for voices or anything like that. They're listening, for instance, when a gunshot goes off. What oh, wow. they're able to do with this is literally triangulate through the distance and the velocity of the sound waves that are coming through exactly where that gunshot went off. So you're able to respond with your own emergency services a hell of a lot quicker. So, I mean, take that a step forward. We're sitting with sensors and devices in our pockets or handbags every single day. Imagine if we could sense just that peripheral sound. And when gunshots go off, instantly our police can react and know exactly where to go to. Sure. Well, I want to use the sensors to take into another topic I wanted to to bounce off you. Mm. You know, that type of technology, imagine when we have sensors, not when, we've got them in our cars. Okay. Mm. And I want to talk about the connected car. But same thing, if you have an accident and that sensor on that car linked to that device sends a message saying, hey, I just had a smash. It's not bad because a computer can work it out, but I'm going to need a lift home. Or mm. it is bad. The closest hospitals, X, deploy the, 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 the first emergency services you can. The time to reaction can be reduced. The risk can be reduced. I mean, there's so many cool things that we can do by having that kind of technology. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. So, as I said, the connected car. 
Mm. So we have a fight again between mm. Apple and Google. You've got CarPlay and you've got, I think it's called Google Auto. Mm. Okay. And they vying for the car manufacturers to A, give up their own proprietary software, which I believe is happening. I know that Hyundai has now stopped and they're giving both, which I think is a good model. Mm. Um, I know some of the German marks have partnered with one or the other and Yes, it's good, but it's bad in the sense that what happens if I have the opposite device? What's your views and, and what can you see the connected car doing for us as, as consumers on our day-to-day journeys? Mm. So I'm just going to quickly separate the two, the, the difference between a connected car and a driverless car. Because I think when people think of this digital environment, they're thinking a mixture of the both. Yep. So we're going to just quickly tap on the connected car, which is connected to the Internet and what you could do with it. Versus the driverless car who literally doesn't have a driver. Cool. So I guess for me, it's great to have the two offers. And I do see a lot of the car manufacturers started off trying to offer their own space because they're already in it. They're offering iDrives and BMW and Audi's got their own ecosystem. And literally for your listeners, it's the dashboard that you literally control your music, you control the, the media that's being consumed in your car. And now you've got Android, which is saying, well, why don't you just come along and, and use the Android platform? You've got iOS, which is saying, well, why not use the, the, the Apple platform? And I think what we're going to see in the future, and it's not, not a distant future, is that as much as you select your features of your car and the color of your car, you're going to determine which of the uh, operating systems you want to use. Now, in the long run, that's kind of locking you into an ecosystem yep. Yep. In, a, in a massive way. And it'll be interesting to see if it pans out that midway through your car, you can switch to an iOS environment or the Apple environment. Do you think that'll be possible? I mean, if you look at the hardware setups, and I'm talking especially about Apple, Mm. you know, Google likes to play nicely with everyone. In Mm. fact, you get their apps on iOS. Do you actually see that happening or is that already available that you can choose? It isn't available at the moment. And I think the the car manufacturers are hedging their bets. Okay. Um, uh, But they've got to be very careful that they don't hedge their bets into the play of an Apple ecosystem or just an Android ecosystem. I agree. They need to be flexible. They don't want to lock themselves down. Imagine if someone had an iPhone and they wanted to move to an Android. 100%. Would you have to sell your car car now? Is the determining factor. Hey, dude, that's a good reason to get rid of your car. I mean, imagine going home to your wife and say, hey, you need to know where I am, so uh, i got to get a new car. You've just bought it on e-commerce. Yeah. And, uh, you can't buy a new phone. I mean, you just buy a new car. Exactly. <laughs> you mentioned the difference, though, between the connected car and the driverless car. Yeah. Okay. So your connected car is that stepping stone. Right. Because it starts forcing us to build really high-speed uh, uh, connectivity around these vehicles. And then we get into this driverless car, and I think that's getting really exciting. Um, because there you can see each of the car manufacturers can go with their own platform if they choose. Mm-hmm. It's a hell of a lot of research to get it right because it's all about huge amounts of sensory equipment on the car from sonar to radar to uh, Wi-Fi signals to GPS to global satellite tracking. All that kind of stuff is all integrated to be able to figure out where to drive this vehicle. Um, so I know Google's play is to say, well, let's not play in the car space. Why don't we actually sell the operating system and capability to all the different car manufacturers? Um, so I think we'll see another play. It needs to flesh out um, what's going to happen there. But I think that's where we'll see a beta versus VHS on who's going to win that yeah. core kind of backbone on how to do a driverless car. Whereas the connected, 
I think it's really a user interface that's linked to your lifestyle. You know, it's interesting you say that because uh, if we look back at things like Airbnb, Uber, etc., you know, the one criticism, and I'm talking about from a financial point of view, is that these are companies, Facebook, that don't own anything. I'm sitting here with my hands in the mm. inverted commas. <laughs> they don't own anything, and yet they're the biggest. Now, when you talk about the driverless car, someone like Uber, with the kind of cash that they now have, could dominate that entire space with driverless cars that they manage. We trust them. Their app works. It integrates. I mean, and they're making a play in that space. Oh, there we go. So I mean, we see Um, some exciting potential, and this is not like ten, twenty, thirty years from now. This is like months to a year or so from now. Now, my fear is on the job market because they're doing a really good job on creating jobs, and upgrading skills. So I think, as with every key kind of technology like this, there is going to be that debate: Are we swapping out jobs for the right reason, or? Um, should we be creating more jobs? Um, so it's something that all large organizations toy with. As we automate more, wh- how far do we want to go? Um, I personally am a fan of bringing humanity with us. Yeah. No, I think it's, uh, I think it's a great call. Um, you know, I was just thinking about, we talk about cars and sensors and that. I, I came across a technology end of last year or maybe the beginning of this year. Uh, there was a little video clip that showed Using the sensors and using tech like positioning and maps and that, you could be driving down the road. I mean, it's it's location-based services, but it's contextual. You could be driving down the road, and because of what you do on your phone, like renting videos or eating pizza or whatever, your phone would ping and say, there's a new pizza place 300 meters down the road that's got a special just for you. You want to go there? You are clearly not using Waze. Um, <laughs> have you seen ways of started going down that I have, kind of and that's the contextual but yeah. this is all happening like automatically you yeah. don't have to use an app and then be through its learning is that when you get to the pizza place there's an advert in the pizza box to rent the movie that night because yeah. it knows it pizza movie so you know we're going there this whole even in the bank we're talking about this hyper personalization experience which goes from the user interface all the way through to what services as a bank, can we float up to the user at the right moment of time and contextually relevant space? Very cool. So, you know, before we run out of time, um, I would also like to look at the mobile payment side and what's mm. happening. I mean, mm. if you, you know, you've obviously been exposed to from the bank point mm. of view. We've seen things come and go. We've seen the snap scans and we've seen QR code payments, which I actually think mm. is the same thing. There's MasterPass. Mm. Um, Brett, what are you seeing and, 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 you know, where do you think it's going with that? Because that still is a trust issue. I mean, you're asking me mm-hmm. to do stuff on my phone, scanning a QR code that's sitting on someone's uh, desktop somewhere. What's your feedback? What is the research that you guys are seeing? You know, where, where so are we going there? Everyone's trying to get into this wallet play. So you've got two types of mobile payments. The first one is paying for e-commerce. Okay. Um, and the other one is doing physical payments in the real world with your wallet. And the reason why there's a wallet play at the moment is I personally feel the banks are leaving their trousers on the floor a bit. Um, so they, it was the bank's executives that were part of Ashley Madison? Then? Is, that what you, is that what you're saying? I wonder. Where <laughs> CV is going out tomorrow. Yeah. To, <laughs> Guys, I need a job now. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. So 
<laughs> so, um, and, and, and the reason why is uh, that I don't think the banks are doing a good enough job around payments and, and, and the price point per transaction is not in, it's a bit, a bit restrictive. So the banks are leaving the door open to disruption in the space. And you can see it because there's a million people coming in yep. trying to play the wallet game, which is on the fringe of a banking license. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how the banks play out in the wallet space. Um, they have licenses. It should be really easy to defend against. Um, but I'm really excited to see how the Apples and the Googles and I can even see the Facebooks getting into this because uh, WeChat actually yep. have also just they've launched. Got, they've got a wallet, hundred percent. Everyone's seeing this opportunity where they have an audience. Yeah. Um, so it's great. It's great for the market. It's great for the consumer. I see. That's where I also get a bit upset. It's like a, a case of bullying. I mean, you use it yourself, and they can defend the wallet. And that mm. there's some really amazing, good thinking technology out there that are startups that are never going to see the light of day for two reasons. One. People don't know them. So it's like, hey, dude, this is my cash you're talking about. Okay. But two, if they do make traction or they make inroads, then the banks pull the license card. Mm. So, look, we've got to wrap it up, Brett. Um, it's been awesome chewing the fat with you. It's amazing I have to get you on radio to actually have a, a chance to talk. Um, but, I don't uh, see any beers, Brett. Uh, well, it's still a little bit early at the moment, <laughs> but I have got some outside there if you want. But thank you so much for coming through. I mean, it was, it was great chatting, great insights. And, um, yeah, here's to, to all the listeners out there. Thanks for, for listening, and I wish you all well over the festive season. Until next time, keep your screens clean and your knobs shiny. Keeping it real on cliffcentral.com.